Thanks, Rach. Um, yeah, clearly would be a good thing this morning for me. Um, good morning. If you don't know me, my name's uh, Stuart. I'm one of the key leaders here. And I'll be honest straight from the start. I'm a little bit tired this morning, slightly emotional. Um, I picked up my son on Friday. He'd been away for three months, uh, kind of volunteering. Uh, picked him up from Heathrow Airport. And then yesterday we went up to Leeds with my daughter for an open day, university open day. So my brain is a little bit... So hopefully you'll be able to follow where I'm going this morning. Um, but we're going to be focusing on vision. And we're, going, um, we're all coming from different spaces, from different starting places and different angles here in, in church. And some of us, we've been on a journey for a long time, seeing how God unfolds vision. Uh, for, for some of us, we've just started this journey. It's all new and exciting. And what God's got ahead is really exciting. For some of us, we probably feel a little bit bruised, maybe uh, even scarred, and we're needing a place of vision that creates a safe space for healing. For some of us, we don't even know who Jesus is, and we want to encourage that journey for all of us. And just before I kind of dip in, I want to give a few thoughts to encourage you where you might be at with vision. Firstly, um, the first thing is a photo I'm going to put on the screen, or not, I'm going to, Rebecca's going to put on the screen. And I think I've shared this before, but this is a bunch of photographers who are on a fishing boat to go and take photos of humpback whales. And they completely and utterly miss the best view. They're completely facing the wrong way. Let's turn and face the right way. Let's be facing to the awesome view that God is doing. Secondly, there's a quote, Nelson Mandela famously said this definition of vision, which is actually from an author called Joel Barker. He said this, vision, vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. Vision with action can change the world. Let's work out today as church how we're going to do this together. Thirdly, in the Bible, It says about vision in Proverbs 29. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Let's be open to God's revelation. And finally, with vision, we often get to an end point that is beautiful. And this picture I'm putting up... If you're a gardener, you'll appreciate my mum's sunflower. This is my mum with her sunflower. She sent this through this week. We've had a bizarre summer here. In June, it was boiling hot. Then it kind of rained for the next two months. And then suddenly, back in the summer, in the last week. In this bizarre journey, maybe that's actually a good recipe for sunflowers. That's proof there. But actually... My mum was really proud of her sunflower. Let's enjoy the beautiful moments when we get to those moments. Even if the journey feels a little bit bizarre, a bit strange. So for us, maybe you're coming from lots of different angles when you're thinking about vision for church, for your own lives. And we've taken an opportunity in September to reset, to refocus as of our, on our vision as church. Our overall vision as church is continually reproducing the life of Jesus. 
which is why we exist in these local communities, Hawfield, Lockleys, Filton. Yet God reminds us and renews us every single year with more specific now words. Words that we build on from year upon year. So even after a global pandemic a few years ago, it comes along, there's a ripple effect of vision that continues year after year. God is speaking to us as church. He even reminded us a few years ago in these words in the Bible, in the Old Testament, about the name of this church. 1 Samuel 7, 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mespah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. That's the name of our church. Samuel and the whole community of Israel set up a reminder stone, a lasting reminder. And we're thankful for what God has done in the past. We celebrate what's happened here. Rach said earlier she'd been in Ebby for 13 years. I've been in a little bit longer. (laughs) Not 40, no. (laughs) But last September... On our Vision Sunday, Esther shared a verse from Isaiah 58 with a picture that resonated with us as a whole leadership team. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Thanks to Chris, who was on the base, we, she brilliantly, creatively drew this vision entwined into Epi. We shared this vision last year in our services when we weren't in this building. We were at Orchard School. We had been at Orchard School for 14, 15 years for our Sunday gatherings. And since then, we've been on a roller coaster journey. We ended up back here, surprisingly, slightly strangely and bizarrely, but felt God was saying, stay. And a number of people have connected with us as church since that, last um, in January. We've seen green shoots of life appearing everywhere. We've seen the stuff that we've been doing in our community, for our community, with our community, exploding. And then following a 24-7 prayer week in January, we also felt that God was building on that vision of being a place where there was a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fell. That he was saying, our relationships need to be strengthened with God, with each other, and with our communities. And that's where we're at. Relationships are messy. But we're doing this from a place where his waters never fail. God's Holy Spirit, transforming presence that refreshes, reorientates us. Jesus himself reminds us in John 7, in a space where he was speaking, it was really tense. There was lots of division where normal Jewish people and religious leaders were, Jesus reminds us of these verses in Isaiah 
And he says, he stood up in a loud voice and said, let anyone come to me who is thirsty and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In a culture Jesus was speaking into, it was volatile. It was politically volatile. Religious leaders were, were letting people down. People were trying to join up the dots from their history. And what God had done in their nation, there was division, social, economic, racial division. Feelings of where are you, God, when big stuff happens, when earthquakes happen, when weird stuff happens in our society. It sounds like what happened then is happening again today, in our day. Yet Jesus, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, speaks into a culture and says, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to journey in. Rivers of God's living water throwing through me as I stand alongside you, through this church, into these communities and city. So through my relationship with God, through my relationships with you, and through our relationships in our communities. We're carrying on this. We're carrying on and pressing into more of this vision. But during this season now, as we, at the beginning of September, we want to work out how does that look? How is that outworked? And I guess what we've been praying for as a leadership team and our conversations is we want to internally focus on four things over the next few years. Some of this was shared three years ago at the beginning of a pandemic, but it does still continue. The living waters might (laughs) stay out there. (laughs) We shared some of this stuff, and I want to share, this is where we're going with the four things that we're going to focus on. We're welcoming everyone and sharing Jesus in our local communities. We want to be equipping and investing in our children, our, young, our youth, and our young adults. We want to be committed to supporting physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. And we want to establish every church building, this space here, as a community hub in Hallfield. Now, before I jump into explaining this a little bit more, I want you to know that that doesn't mean that we're not interested in our work with senior citizens, our work with our global partners around the world, investing into small groups. That all still continues. But we're saying we want to have a little bit more intentionality and focus on these areas. That's what we're going to explode practically a little bit more on that whole church prayer and vision evening at the end of September. We're going to look a little bit next Sunday about what we have all to bring to this in our giving, whether it's financial, whether it's our skills, whether it's our time. The following Sunday, we're going to look at how do we connect together to do this better as church. But I'm going to, for the next few minutes, just give a little few hints of what is already happening amongst us. And maybe explore how Jesus focused on this stuff too. So firstly, as we focus on welcoming everyone and sharing Jesus in our local communities, we're continuing to be intentional 
about showing Jesus' welcome to everyone. Showing, sharing the good news that we have sung about this morning of his unfavored love for all. Now this is an individual thing too. This is not like, well, I just, I'm doing it because I'm part of church. This is an individual kind of call. But Jesus is calling us together as church. That's why last Sunday when we were praying as church, we're encouraging everybody to think of three people they want to pray for daily who might not know Jesus to pray for them and ask God what you want to do in their lives. But I want to just briefly think about what does it mean to welcome everyone. And some of you will know the story of the prodigal son. It's a parable in Luke 15 in the New Testament of the Bible. I'd encourage you all to get a Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, there's Bibles at the back. Grab a Bible at some point and read and meditate and kind of dwell in the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15. It basically tells Jesus is telling about a son who basically cashes in his father's inheritance, goes off living totally for himself with no intention of returning to his father. And then it all crash, it comes crashing down. He hits rock bottom, practices his forgive me dad speech. And then in Luke 15 verse 20, it says this. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate from this. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father shows the kind of welcome and embrace hug that God shows to all of us and everyone in our community, in our friendship groups. Whatever the past is, whatever the current is, this is the kind of welcome that God shows. This is the kind of welcome that God shows. Giving a signet ring, a special roast, the best meat feast ever. An extravagant welcome. An extravagant welcome home. And there's so much in that parable. That's why I encourage you to go and kind of dwell on it. That speaks of God's welcome. His hospitality to everyone. Take some time, maybe later on today, get into it. Realize that he, the, the, the son didn't even finish his forgiveness speech before the father interrupted. How do we get to a place of demonstrating the welcome of the father through how we do life that helps invite everyone to a place to discover Jesus? That's the journey we're going on with that point. A space to welcome everyone and sharing Jesus in our communities. Secondly, we're going to focus on equipping and investing in our children, youth and young adults. Why? Quite simply because that's what Jesus did. He had a heart for all 
And no one was left out. So if you're thinking, I'm not one of those categories, he had a heart for all, but he had a focus on them. In Matthew 19, we read then, people brought little children to Jesus to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked him. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. It's clear Jesus is passionate about children and investing all his good kingdom stuff into them. Although it doesn't say, when you look at this and you look at the Bible, it doesn't say the age of the disciples. But most scholars think the the age, they're probably late teens, probably early 20s. And there are a million reasons and hints that give to this and how the Jewish culture worked. And I haven't got time to go into that, but please check it out. Jesus chose disciples and he had many other followers around him who were in their late teens and young adults. He invested intentionally into them. They were the ones that started this movement called the church that we're still part of. So it's a no-brainer that we have to work out how do we equip and invest in our children, our youth, and our young adults. How does, their, how does our ceiling become their floor? How does our ceiling become their floor where we see what God has done in the past, but we're cheering them on, we're investing into them for the future? Thirdly, we will focus on being committed to supporting physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. There are so many characters in the Bible where we get glimpses of stories where they struggle for reasons, for seasons, or even their whole life with their physical, emotional, and mental well-being. I've just picked one. A guy called Elijah. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings, verse 18, we see a mountaintop experience where the power of God comes and Elijah is pumped up. He's celebrating. Yeah, God, you've done something dramatic against all odds. And very, very soon after, he's very afraid, depressed, hungry, and exhausted In 1 Kings 19, verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He came to Bathsheba in Judah. He left his servant there. He went on a day's journey into the wilderness, sat under a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. It's one of the only spaces that you read in a Bible where someone's even contemplating suicide. Not something we talk about here but a reality in our culture, in our world. And Elijah says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. It was a roller coaster for him. And for us, in different seasons in our life, 
for people in our communities, our neighbours, our families, our friends. We all go on a roller coaster. During this week, I um, had two unexpected conversations in this room. I've shared one of them on our, um, our prayer WhatsApp and Facebook group. And I'll share that in a minute. But firstly, I want to share about a, an older guy. He lives locally. He came to chat to me on, during the week one day about hiring this space for a fundraising event that he was looking to organize. He chatted and ended up talking about video editing. And obviously, I went into geeky mode. I loved that. <laughs> and he was talking to me about it. And I was really impressed. And I said, um, I'm really impressed. How old are you? 87 years old. I was really impressed with the upskilling. And then suddenly he shared the tough stuff that had been going on in the last few years. He just literally right here became quite emotional, in tears, because he was sharing about his wife that had died. I'm praying for him that we find a way to support him in his well-being, in his grief, and where he's at in life. In life. I shared on the, our, our face prayer Facebook group about another guy. Chris and I were faffing around outside the other day with a flag. Um, don't ask. Um, and a guy came up and said, I've heard you a church that does really good stuff locally. Can I have a Bible? Because my son is going to university um, this weekend. Yesterday, they were taking him up to Glasgow. And we had an honest conversation of what he was wrestling with. I could get it, because it was only a year ago that I had to do that journey. I said, it's going to be painful. There's going to be tears, not for your son, but for you and your partner. You're going to wrestle with it. It's going to take weeks, months. Not sure we quite got there anyway. There's going to be anxieties. There's going to be stuff where you're unlost, the feeling of loss. And we were able to chat. He took a Bible away with him. I'm praying for him. Every day, God is interested in the big stuff like that guy felt, which was big for him on that day, but might seem small in the whole grand scheme of things. To the guy who'd lost his wife and was struggling with grief which was a huge thing. God is interested. As church, we need to work out how we committed to that, how we committed to supporting each other and our communities. That's why we want to see his living water bring healing and wholeness. But sometimes we are in that space ourselves. We feel like, yeah, it's all right, you used to talking about living waters, but I'm drowning right now. I'm on my knees I want to remind you, if that's you in this room now, or if you're watching and listening afterwards, that God is present. He created you. He knows you inside out. Don't forget it. In 2 Corinthians 12, Jesus says these words, My grace, my unfavored love, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on you. 
if you need to receive even that, if you haven't heard a word I've said all morning, hang on to that. We're committed to supporting each other and to want to explore ways to do that better. To sustainably, from all different backgrounds. But we want that to overflow into our families, into our friendship networks, into our workplaces, into our communities, the spaces where we meet others. We don't just store it up. God, you're doing stuff in me with my emotional, my physical, my mental, my spiritual well-being. But that overflows. And finally, we want to focus on this space here. Establishing this building as a community hub. I'm not going to say much about this now. Because this is what we're doing. is wanting to see this space this physical space, be a place of connection, relationship, community, where those other three focus points can happen and then overflow out. Where fruit grows and the river flows from. In the last, three, last year, we've seen amazing answers to prayer with financial resources to see this space turned around. We haven't seen that kind of answer to prayer for finances from the government, even better, (laughs) to make this space a place where connection, relationship, community happens. And at the same time, since we've moved back here on a Sunday service, we've seen the, the number of people, the diversity of people that have come and been in our weekly activities and our one-off events has been incredible I'm not holding on to that's going to be forever but actually God is saying something even by showing actually I'm opening the doors here we're going to explore that further during this year and together as well but as I finish I want us to hang on to that overall vision continually reproducing the life of Jesus. We're going to go deeper in what God is speaking to us about being a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. We're going to be encouraging each other about our relationship with God, with each other, with our communities. And then we're going to practically outwork it with those four focuses. That's where I'm going to leave. I'm going to drop in your laps. We're going to look over the next few weeks in different spaces in our service, maybe not in the talk bit, but in different places, how we get to be involved in that, how we connect together. But as I finish, maybe you're sat there and you're kind of feeling, yeah, I I like that. I'm up for that. Maybe you're thinking... No, I'm really uncomfortable and awkward. Maybe you're feeling a bit, I I just can't see forward. But Jesus is calling each one of us to follow him. Fired up and ready to go or broken and damaged. Not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus or scarred and hurt or just switched off.
or somewhere in between that whole spectrum. He's wanting each of us to follow him.